reading this morning is taken from Luke chapter 5, verses 27 to 31. And it's on a page 1033, I think, in your Bibles. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. And a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. He's a hard man with a thick skin, my boss, Levi. The Romans ask a lot, and he takes even more from the locals. You should hear what people mutter about him as he walks through the market with his bodyguards. Actually, I think he does hear them, but I doubt he cares. You could say Levi's got it all. The big house, pots of money, everyone knows who he is, and they fear him, and the Romans leave him alone. But, but I have seen him sat quietly at sunset, gazing out over the town. He's a big man in his toll booth with his big hired muscle, but he looks smaller and more fragile here at home. And, and those decisions he's made to become a tax collector, to rinse his own people, to drive local families into poverty, well, they haunt him and they haunt this home. He's got to the top of the pile, but he fears it is the wrong pile. Anywho, this morning was just a normal morning. Wake up call, early breakfast, and then Levi's off to the main road with his bunch of goons to fleece the locals. Another day, another shekel, he shouted as he left, as always. How else am I going to pay you, Andrew? He is a hard boss with a cruel streak. So we always jump straight to it. As soon as he's gone, we know we've got till dusk to run everything in the house and get the evening meal ready for him. So my alarm bells began to ring when Levi came back early, at lunchtime, smiling. Everything uh, okay, master? Yes, everything's fine. In fact, more than fine. It's tip-top. By the way, we're having a big banquet, and it's going to be tonight. So round up the usual crowd. The usual crowd is his creepy tax collector mates. They're all as bad as him, along with the usual hangers-on. I mean, no one else is going to come to supper at Levi's house, are they? Oh, he said, and uh, Jesus and some of his friends, they'll be here too. Make it big, no expense spared. 
is, uh, is, is that a good idea? I asked, I just know how your banquets tend to end. And I don't think a religious leader like Jesus is into all those things that you and your friends seem to enjoy. Levi paused and thought, no problem, tonight will be different, he said. I've, I've been sort of a best friend to all those cheats and those liars, but we've got each other, and instinct says that Jesus is going to fit right in. If he wants me as a follower, he might want them too. And Levi had not finished. He said, today... Everything shifted. I had this moment, this moment of decision as I thought about my stupid, rich, selfish, deceitful life and, and where it was taking me. I feel sure that Jesus is worth following. He's worth listening to. He said, I don't know how I'm going to pay you, Andrew, from now on. Just saying, I've quit my job. I've sold my tax booth. I'm going to sell the house. I can't be a cheat and a traitor, and a liar, and be around Jesus. It's just not going to work. Well, then it was action stations. We chopped, and we stirred, and we sent out for more wine, and we delivered invites to all of those friends. I literally haven't sat down since. The first five minutes of the banquet were terrible, mortifying. Please, God, make it stop embarrassing. Levi's friends arrived, half-dressed and half-drunk. Jesus seemed very calm and very at home, though Jesus' friends were scowling and scared. Levi's friends looked at the floor, and then they looked angrily at him, feeling trapped. Jesus, of course, clasped Levi's hands and said, Levi, please introduce me to your friends. I'm hungry and it is time for us to eat. Well, we got the food and we got the wine out double quick. And in next to no time, the banquet was in full swing. It was normal first century fare, though I say it myself, bread, wine, olive oil, some fish, some fruit, that, that lovely dip that old Levi enjoys. But it was very different to the other banquets that we've held. There was lots of laughing, but good laughing, not mocking laughing. Jesus, of course, told stories, and Jesus listened to their stories. Quiet and intense one moment, then suddenly roaring with laughter, tears streaming down his cheeks. And Levi was loving it, bringing his friends alongside Jesus, telling his, Jesus asked me, yes, me, to follow him story ten times. Way better than the story he normally tells at parties. But you know what? Jesus' friends started to relax. Levi's friends too. It took a while, but an hour in, I turned to the waiters and I whispered, I think this might just work. As always, I spoke too soon. There they were, feasting and talking and laughing and drinking, when a loud cough came from the garden gate. <coughs> 
Peter, James, John, do you know whose house Jesus has brought you to? Do you know whose wine you are drinking and whose food you are scoffing? Do you know who Levi is and what he does? Levi is a traitor. He's a thief. He's an enemy of our people. He is a friend of Rome. Jesus has got you eating and drinking with the very worst people, the kind of people who will lead you astray. You will be guilty by association. Jesus should be making these people change their ways, not partying with them. You could tell the disciples were a bit stuck. They'd hardly been enthusiastic when they arrived, but they did genuinely seem to be enjoying themselves now because Jesus was enjoying himself too. I could see that that Simon didn't know whether to punch the Pharisees or agree with them that this was indeed an outrage. Luckily, Jesus looked up and he saw what was going on. And he went out to them, sad, determined, open-hearted. At first, to be honest, I couldn't quite follow what Jesus was saying. The Pharisees were whinging about his fasting with the wrong kind of people. And Jesus started talking about doctors and, and people who were ill, like he'd not really heard what they'd said. Jesus simply said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. The Pharisees did not like that. They had spent their whole lives building walls to keep the good people safe and the bad people out. Jesus had just told them that he had come to knock down their walls and lovingly call the broken and the misguided and the selfish and the needy ones back to God. Jesus was saying love and mercy are more infectious than drunkenness and lying. They did not like that. The disciples kind of did like it. They weren't exactly the holy crowd themselves, mostly poor fishermen when Jesus first said to them, follow me. So Jesus hadn't picked them for their outstanding upright lives either. But you could tell they were still struggling to keep up with Jesus and his love for people and his ability to see beyond their mistakes and beyond their past. Levi's friends absolutely loved it. Partly because no one never, ever, ever, ever spoke like that to those snotty, smug Pharisees. Their words, not mine. Partly because they were seeing themselves in a new light. It wasn't entirely comfortable. Like Levi, they knew that their self-centered lives were shabby and disappointing and going nowhere. But no one religious had ever said to them, you, you are worth my time. 
and you are worth my love. Anyway, here I am prattling on. There is a ton of washing up and clearing away still to do. There is still a few of them fast asleep just at the back. So let's keep the noise down, shall we? There will be some sore heads in the morning, I can tell you. But it doesn't matter because I'm off to look for a new job first thing in the morning. Hospitality, as you may know, is a precarious and an uncertain profession. Uh, I will be sad, I have to say. I will be sad to say goodbye to old Levi, though. In fact, I mustn't call him Levi. He says that since he decided to follow Jesus, he's changed his name. I think I heard uh, Jesus' fisherman friend, Simon, say the same thing. Anyway, from now on, he says he's going to be called Matthew. And... He says he's going to write a book. Uh, Encore. (laughs) Well, the encore is every Sunday for the next few weeks. Come dine with me in Luke's Gospel. And uh, I watched that over lunch, and I tore my sermon up. I said, you cannot in the evening service be deprived of the first course. Matthew, Levi became known as Matthew and he went to write a book. Do you know, the gospel stories are so full of people who are named by name, who end up doing things that we never thought they'd do. They never thought they'd do. Mark, who ran away in terror the night Jesus was arrested, took off his clothes in order to get away from the guards that were holding him, ran naked out of the garden, gets sacked by Paul for being unreliable on a missionary journey, ends up writing Peter's memoirs, looking at the New Testament scholars with a slight nervousness, (laughs) and publishes Mark's Gospel. But 2,000 years later is often the gateway into finding out more about Jesus. Tonight, for six of you, and do you know I held five of you when you were just a few days old? Because I'm now 62 years old. And we would never have dreamt 14, 15, 16 years ago that you'd be here making your declarations of belief. But do you know what? I think the gospel story shows us that the adventure is yet to come. That beyond our imagining and beyond even our parent, the parents' ability to ask in their prayers are going to be the answers over Andrew, over Albert, over Alfie, over B over Nathaniel and over Noah. And so in the next few minutes when they, one is going to be baptised, but all are going in the water and you'll hear me say the words, remember your baptism as the five who've been baptised as children make the promises for themselves. And here's the deal. And now I know last time I came here, you, you just... The, the applause just lifted the roof every single time someone got baptised 
and I just lost the, the flow. So I need to make a new contract with you as congregation today. Six candidates are going in the water. In the water, they're going to say, yes, this is my faith. They're going to be immersed in water. I'm going to confirm them in the water. Okay? Is that all right, Rowley? So the vice dean says it's all right. Then I'm going to anoint them with olive oil. And I'm going to pray an individual prayer for each person with anointing with oil. And that's your cue. That's your spiritual cue to say, what is it the Lord's giving you for the person you've come to support? Whether your faith is tentative or convinced, what is it that you long for 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 the person you come to support? It may be the Lord gives you something for the other five as well. So you're not clapping, you're not shouting, you're not applauding because you're doing business with God for each candidate. Am I laying, is this too heavy or is this all right, Dave? It's fine. Now, then they climb out of the steps and this time, six times you can applaud, but when their feet reach the top step, do I have a deal? Do I have a deal, James? Thank you. So, So... And it's everything, isn't it? It is euphoric. It is a celebration. It is holy ground as well. Because whenever one person dares to say, yes, I believe in Jesus Christ, it's every bit as dramatic as Simon's telling of the conversion of a disreputable, wealthy tax collector into the most exquisite teacher of the faith who wrote the Manual of Discipleship that we know is Matthew's gospel. And for six of you, that's the journey. Now, just uh, if the Lord does say to you, should have been me as well, I I did in Popley the other day confirm many more people than I was presented with. But I've got too much respect for the staff here to make an open invitation to confirm more than six tonight. But go and see Dave Thornton. Go and see Simon Cancer. Go and see one of the people here and say, it should have been me as well. And I will come back any Sunday Simon wants. Because these are moments, aren't they? When the whole church... It's a bit embarrassing. You're the centre of attention for a moment. But it's not about you. It's about what the Lord is doing in you. As the Lord is doing in Levi in that call to change everything. And that changing everything means we stop living primarily by our own story, but we dare to take part in God's story. And when you do that, you see everything differently. So much so that when Nicodemus and Jesus were in conversation in John chapter 3, Jesus could only describe it as like being born again. You see it all differently. So my hope and prayer is yes, the six candidates this is for you but might it be that all of us somehow have different eyes to see with tonight an open ear to hear something and a soft heart towards God should we quiet for a moment reflect on what you've heard and seen from Simon and what you've come to witness tonight for the six folk who have been Confirmed here.